founder of the Marian Fathers, St. Stanislaus Papchinsky, whose statue here is to my right, had a very fierce devotion to praying for the poor souls in purgatory because he would have souls in purgatory visit him to see soldiers from the wars in that time, victims of the plagues of that time. And he made it part of the charism of the Marians then to pray for the deceased. And he encouraged his fellow priests, his Marian sons, to always uh, keep exhorting the people to pray for the deceased, whether in their sermons or their catechetical works or their spiritual direction. Uh, he always wanted us to remind uh, the laity, the faithful, and our fellow community members to always keep praying and assisting uh, for the deceased, for they are in much need, he said. Uh, he said at one point when he had visited purgatory and a mystical experience that there were more souls there than contained in the whole world uh, living at that time. And he said, we do not know how much they suffered. And for the canonization of St. Stanislaus, uh, I was blessed to go with the rest of uh, the community at that time to go to Rome for the canonization of St. Stanislaus. He was only canonized in 2016, even though he had died in 1701. It took a while for him to be canonized. Uh, but while we were in Rome, there's a church called uh, the Purgatory Church. And there, there is a kind of museum or collection of items or uh, accounts of people's experience from souls in purgatory. And I still remember reading one uh, while at that little museum of the purgatory church there in which a lady was uh, sleeping at night when a deceased relative, I think maybe her spouse actually, uh, had appeared and grabbed her hand or her arm and left a, a burn mark uh, so much that, you know, left her in great pain. And the poor soul had asked for prayers. She was left with a, a scar of that hand imprint from that poor soul as a constant reminder to pray not only for her relatives, but for the poor souls in general. And, uh, you know, she, although experienced that pain in the moment, she knew that she could offer that up, and she uh, was grateful for that constant reminder. The souls are in need of our prayers because they cannot help, they cannot pray for themselves. And so we are connected as a church. We have uh, the church in heaven, church triumphant, and then the church on earth, we are the church still fighting the good fight, the church militant. And then there's uh, the church suffering in purgatory. And they have conquered evil with Christ. They have won heaven. They are just being purified. And that now that they can see God, they can see the light, they also see themselves more clearly and they know they are not worthy to fully approach uh, that heavenly union with God yet. And so they wait to be purified. But many wait also upon our assistance and prayers uh, and reparation 
for some of the sins that they had committed. And souls in purgatory varies uh, across many ages, many uh, periods of time. Some souls are there very, very briefly. And some souls, remember if uh, Our Lady Fatima, Sister Lucia, or little Lucia at the time, had asked about one of her friends who had passed away at a young age, and Our Lady Fatima replied, she will be in purgatory until the end of time. And so it varies very much. Uh, and it makes us wonder, maybe there's still souls in purgatory from even before. You know, maybe some of the people we had read about, the Israelites we read about in our first reading, how they are complaining for uh, that food. And uh, Moses, you know, wishing death upon himself because of the miserable state and having to lead these complaining people. Uh, but we also know, too, that uh, there's a difference from the Old Testament and the New Testament. So there was a purgatory. There, purgatory still existed before Christ came and opened the gates of heaven. But there were some souls who did not have to wait in purgatory, but yet were just. You know, think of our patriarchs like Abraham, Isaac, uh, Moses included. Uh, and then we even read of St. John the Baptist. You know, Jesus said how great John the Baptist is, and we're reminded of his death in today's gospel. So where did they go if the gates of heaven were closed ever since the fall in Eden? But yet they were uh, purified enough to go to heaven. How, how can they go to heaven then if the gates are closed? Well, that's why the church, we teach that there was a, a limbo or Abraham's bosom. Or as we say in the creed, we even say uh, hell. You know, so we say in the creed, Jesus descended into hell. But not the hell of the damned. Jesus descended into the hell of the just. Again, those in Abraham's bosom. Those who are waiting with hope for the coming of the Messiah to open up the gates of heaven. And so John the Baptist had to wait, but he had to wait a very short time because in just a few years, Jesus would die and by that power of his sacrifice and atonement for our sins opens up the gates of heaven again. And then at his ascension, all those saints of the Old Testament uh, join in, in heaven. And important to having that glory of heaven, important for being raised up from the dead to eternal life, is the Eucharist. In order to live physically, we need food. That's why we know the Israelites were complaining in the desert. Uh, and yet they're complaining that God is only providing this bread from heaven, manna, which they were happy to have at first, but now they're just tired of having bread. They want meat. I'm sure all our meat lovers can 
relate. You know, when you only get cheese pizza versus the meat lover's pizza, you know, there is definitely some people want that meat lover's pizza. So we don't really blame the Israelites, right? They enjoyed their meat. They want that substance. And it's a, a foreshadowing of the need of our spiritual food to have our daily bread, but then even to have that good uh, uh, substance of meat. And God provides us that through his son with the Eucharist. In order to have eternal life, in order to raise up our spiritual life and live spiritually, we need to sustain ourselves daily on our supernatural bread, on our spiritual bread, which is just as uh, fulfilling even as meat because it's not just our daily bread. It is the very flesh of Christ, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is very fulfilling indeed. And that's what links us to the resurrection of the dead, that we take on the flesh of Christ, we receive him, we become part of him, and we become more like him the more we consume him in the Eucharist, so that we too might like, might like Christ be raised up on the last day. That's why Jesus says, unless you eat and drink my body and, uh, and blood, you will have no life in within you. But he says, if you eat and drink my blood, my flesh and drink my blood, I will raise you up on the last day. And not only is this important for us, it can also be beneficial for the poor souls we pray for. We can offer up anything we do for poor souls, but especially uh, at Mass, that is the greatest application of Christ's passion, that the fruits of his passion can be applied individually to the souls. And that is the most important link then, that it's the most powerful link to Christ's passion. Everything we can do can be offered up as a sacrifice, whether it's our our sufferings, our persecutions, our trials, even our joys, you know, the things that we enjoy, everything we do, little works throughout the day, can all be united to the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. But it's especially at the Eucharist where we are really made present here again at Calvary, made present here on the cross from 2,000 years ago. And so it is here, especially at Mass and the sacrament of the Eucharist, that we can apply those fruits of the passion to ourselves and all those we would like to pray for that are deceased. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. Amen. Hello, I'm Father Thaddeus Langton of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and I'm excited to let you know about my new podcast with Father Timothy Childers called Keeping It Marian. To access the podcast, simply visit divinemercyplus.org or search Keeping It Marian on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on whatever podcast platform you prefer. 
I want to share with you the riches of the charism of the Marian Fathers, which is the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, how it touches our lives as consecrated priests and religious, and how this mystery can bear fruit in your life, especially by keeping the Word of God and pondering it in our hearts in imitation of our Blessed Mother. I hope you'll join us. Again, it's called Keeping It Marian. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.